0: back to coalfield and company in the finley toyota studio it's
1: time for our weekly check-in with the former oakland raider stanford route looky here two and how about this start how about this start for our las vegas raiders
2: Yes, uh, definitely something that I'm pleased to see. I'm not completely surprised. I mean, they started off, I believe, 2-0 and last year beating the Carolina Panthers and New Orleans Saints on Monday Night Football. So uh, it's more about can they sustain it? Can they go ahead and have have some consistency and not go and lay an egg coming up this weekend against the Miami Dolphins who don't have Tua who's going to be in the starting lineup so I think that uh right now they're doing well they're leading the AFC West tied with the the Denver Broncos I believe so it's just a matter of can they continue and keep that going what player or unit or position has been most impressive to you a mix between Derek Carr and the receiving unit I really? will uh, probably, probably go with them. Uh, I, like I said, I love Max Crosby. I love the way he's been getting after the quarterback. I love the way Ngakwe, all those guys up front, have been getting after the quarterback. Uh, Abram's been playing much better on the defense side of the ball. Trayvon Mullen came up with a big INT last week, uh, covering, I think it was, Deontay Johnson on a nine route. So, obviously, you know, you got a plethora of positions that have been doing well, but if, if you're asking me, I'd probably say going into that game without Josh Jacobs, after what you did on Monday night football, uh, I believe Derek Carr threw for over 400 yards against the Baltimore Ravens. And then, like I said, you see Zay Jones with a huge touchdown uh, to go and end the game. And also see Henry Ruggs stepping up against Pittsburgh. I would probably just go uh, all in all, Obviously, Derek Carr <laughs> leading the league in passing yards per game right now, but also the receiving unit. Whenever you don't have your bell cow of a running back within Josh Jacobs going on the road, playing an early game, which is 10 a.m. Vegas time, uh, I thought that was real huge for uh, for the receivers and Derek Carr to step up.
1: Yeah, let's build on the, the comments about the receivers. And this was a point we tried to make all last year, and I think they're starting to turn the corner. It is so massive that the quarterback has confidence in receivers. He is confident, Derek Carr. In throwing the ball at Darren Waller. This could be massive if he's fully confident in both Brian Edwards and Ruggs.
2: Oh, absolutely. He's gonna have to be. Uh just because uh I mean, whenever you got uh, receivers and the quarterback who are on the same page, the sky's the limit. Cause now the the uh, the quarterback he believes in you, he's he knows where you're gonna be at on certain times, things like that. So I think that's I think that's paramount. And then we all know Darren Waller, he's the best offensive player that the Raiders have. It's toss-up out of him and Josh Jacobs, whatever. Uh, But I think that you can't get uh, any more intricate than having that quarterback, the receivers, being on the same page.
1: It's Friday on Cofield and We're getting ready for the football weekend. Raiders 2-0, surprising a lot of people taking out the Ravens uh, and the Steelers. Next up, Dolphins on Sunday. All right, I want to talk about the offseason, and it's early, right? So the returns, this is not guaranteed to continue, but to me... The Raiders made some very ballsy personnel moves because it is hard to swallow your pride and potentially you show that you have egg on your face when it comes to first-round picks. And I think the Raiders made the judgment in the offseason. Listen, Arnett needs time. We don't know if Cleef Roll is going to turn out here. we got to get some insurance. we got to get better. And so far, especially in place of Arnett, uh, the fact that they brought in Casey Hayward over Arnett has paid big dividends.
2: Oh, absolutely. Anytime you got veteran players, especially somebody who has actually played under a Gus Bradley coming in to go ahead and preach his gospel, preach his word to the younger guys in the locker room. I think that's huge. And then on top of that, like I said, it just was a couple of years ago. Casey Hayward was one of the top cornerbacks in the in the in the NFL going to the Pro Bowl uh, with the Los Angeles Chargers. So that's not. In any way, something that uh, I have any qualms about, obviously, just like what you just said, a lot of times it takes GMs. They got to swallow their pride and admit, okay, you know what? Maybe I reached on this guy. Maybe I drafted him a little bit too early. Maybe he's not ready to go and play right away yet. So kudos to Mike Mayock for acknowledging, okay, you know what? We still can go ahead and add some depth here. We can go ahead and add another piece in this area, even though it's going to go ahead and actually prolong the maturation process of my prize first round pick. Tell us about dealing with prosperity
1: when you get off to a good start or you're in a good run is it a player driven thing do you guys even talk about it is it a responsibility of the coaches like i wonder how the raiders are feeling right now so that you know they don't overlook the dolphins and get spoiled by a 2 0 start
2: i mean it's definitely something that the that the coaches have to make sure that they drive into the players minds because the coaches i'm sorry the players will always be a uh, they'll always be a mirrored image of the coaching staff that's just how it naturally goes so i think that uh, whenever you have a In the early season, whenever you have those two games early on, Baltimore Ravens, Pittsburgh Steelers winning both of those games and nobody picked the Raiders to win both of those games. Some might have picked them to win one, but they definitely didn't pick them to to win both games. And then you go and you do that in the fashion that they've done that is, a, that is a cause to go ahead and start to feel yourself, smell your own roses, go ahead and read the press clippings, things like that. So I think it's going to be incumbent upon the coaches to make sure that the Raiders still have a lot of that hunger, that they still believe, hey guys, you know, we still play in the same division as the Kansas City Chiefs team that's going to the Super Bowl twice the last two seasons. So you definitely want to make sure that you don't stub your toe. You want to make sure that you go ahead and you continue to get better every week. And in my opinion, this is primed for an upset this Sunday afternoon against the Miami Dolphins. You're 2-0. Two is now not going to be playing. He's out with some ribs, and now you're going to have Jacoby Brissett starting. This is the perfect setup to go ahead and lay an egg against the Miami Dolphins, mind you, against the same team that also beat you last year yep. on Saturday Night Football right after Christmas, which pretty much essentially ended your playoff hopes. And the way it happened. It was an
1: absurd loss where – Uh, John Gruden decided not to go for a touchdown, kick the field goal, 19 seconds left. You get a face mask, get a miracle heave pass, game-winning field goal. That, to me, actually, uh, and I I don't, listen, I don't know if players, uh, you know, need that kind of motivation, even react to that kind of motivation. That's what I would be pointing to. Like, these guys screwed us. We screwed ourselves last year. Don't worry about who's playing quarterback. We need to get some revenge here, and we are not getting, you know, down the road booted from the playoffs because of another loss to the freaking Dolphins
2: exactly and that's why I say it's all incumbent upon the coaching staff that you have to make sure that you instill in the players that this is not a time to let up this is not a time to feel like you already have the game won this is not a time to feel like you're going against a wounded bird you're going against some sort of wounded animal yes they do not have their starting quarterback but Jacoby Brissett has been a quarterback in this league for some time played for the Patriots started for the Patriots beat the Houston Texans on Thursday Night Football several years ago started for the Indianapolis Colts he's some plays in this league he's very capable of beating you so you definitely do not want to go into this game thinking that you already have it made because you will definitely come up out of there walking off that field at Allegiant stadium with an l if you do not take this game seriously
1: stanford route Cofield and company friday looking ahead at the nfl weekend well we'll look back for a second uh th- there's a lot of rage right now you got to give me your reaction to the taunting penalties
2: uh, man don't even get me started on that steve um i think that the NFL, obviously, we know we all know this is a business. The only game, the only day of the week that is not a business is on Sundays or Thursdays and Mondays. But every other day, Roger Goodell has to make sure that hey, I want to make sure that I uh, that I keep our sponsors, I want to keep all of our business associates, I want to keep them all happy. And if the people that are writing the big checks that allow the NFL to be the best sport in the USA right now, that allow the NFL to be the best thing smoking. That allow the NFL to be a multi billion dollar industry I got to go ahead and I got to make sure that I got to keep them happy so if the players have to go ahead and they're the ones who have to deal with the brunt of it they're the ones who have to deal with all the changes the modifications basically us handcuffing them whenever it comes to them actually being their true selves on the field that's just the cost of doing business literally and I think that's all that's uh, that's everything that's coming down to but I think you get to the point now where it's like come on but so much of this new generation is it's all about inclusivity it's all about peace it's all about uh uh telling your your next door neighbor how much you love them telling everybody <laughs> when you walk down the street exactly how highly you think of them and man football is a man's game and just like i teach my kids at the high school football and, 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 and i remember what john gruden said a couple years ago i believe uh, the raiders were on hard knock when he said he, he said, Everybody likes to talk about dreams. And John Gruden said he's into nightmares because to accomplish your dream means you have to go and dash and ruin somebody else's. Yep. Period. There's no way that we both can have a dream and we both achieve it on this football field. That's not how that works in basketball, soccer, baseball, tennis, everything else. So I think that whenever you do that, you're taking away the true essence of the game because you're grown men playing a kid's game. And because it's a kid's game, what do you do? You play with emotion. You make a good play. You're going to be happy. You don't make a good play, you're not going to be happy. So to sit up there and tell somebody that, hey, you can go and make a, a, a big-time pass breakup uh, in the game in the fourth quarter and you can't go and celebrate a little bit because you just got off the field because you know, you're going to make the offensive player feel bad or some offensive player makes a great play. Well, you know, we don't want to hurt the defensive player's feelings. That's what fans want to see. They want to see triumph. They want to see somebody succeeding. They want to see somebody losing. So I think that To take that away, I believe you're taking away a lot of the emotion and you're taking away a lot of the characterization, a lot of the individuality on the football field with a lot of the players. A
1: big story of the the first two weeks and and this week again are the rookie quarterbacks and Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson look like rookies. Uh, Justin Fields will get his chance for the Bears. Dalton can't go. He's going against the Browns. The Browns are a good team. They're a pretty big favorite. At a touchdown, is Justin Fields essentially dead meat in this game, or is he advanced enough that
2: he's going to survive? Uh, I think man, that that right there is the million dollar question, all right? Exactly. Uh, where we're gonna where we're gonna fall off on that one? And I think that whenever you're looking at uh, at, uh at Justin Fields, obviously he's going to be going against the Cleveland Browns. We all know that they have a really really good defense. I think that because of Chicago not having a high barrage of weapons on the offense side of the ball, I think it's going to be a difficult game for him just because he's not walking into a situation like you see Matt Jones for the New England Patriots. You got Bill Belichick as your coach. You got uh, uh the offensive coordinator. I forget his name, but you know who I'm Josh talking Mc- about. Josh McDaniels. Yep. Yeah, Josh McDaniels. Because of that, I think it's a little different. You see how Trevor Lawrence is struggling. You see how – uh, Zach Wilson is struggling. Trey Lance has not become the starter yet for San Francisco, at least not to not to my knowledge as of yet. Um, so I think that these rookies are going to have their moments where they struggle. They're going to have flashes, but they're also going to have their moments where it's really, really difficult because they're going from the college game to the pro game. So, you know, at Ohio State, what, maybe one, two games out of the year, are you actually playing a team that actually has the talent to beat you? Well, you're going against Cleveland Browns. You got Miles Garrett. You got Javon Conner. You got Denzel Ward. You got Harrison. You got Josh Johnson. You got I can go all the way down the list. So you're playing against guys that you probably didn't really see much on Saturdays, and you're playing against an actual team that has the ability to beat you. And not and not only that, they're actually probably better at their position than you are at your position as far as the rankings in the league throughout their career. So it's definitely going to be an uphill battle. I think he's going to have his moments where he flashes some athleticism, some brilliance, but I think you're also going to see those rookie struggling moments.
1: The former Oakland Raider, Stanford Rout, joins us every Friday. Busy guy, coaches high school, is doing college games. You're on East Carolina against Charleston Southern tomorrow on Saturday. I got a college question to close on. You know, I never asked you this one. You're an H-Town guy. You went to Houston. How does it feel... To actually be part of the halves, this is a gigantic <laughs> deal. I mean, you guys have money behind the program with Tillman Fertitta, but when you get to the Power
2: Five, it's a different freaking ball game. Oh, no doubt about it. It's a different freaking ball game. I can tell you like this: it's a little bit bittersweet, just because I remember several years ago, back in 2016, the Big Twelve was actually flirting with the University of Houston as far as possible expansion. You know, they're flirting with us at the party. They're kind of winking their eye at us, things like that. We walk over there to them, ask them for their phone number. They say, "Nah, not interested. I'm not really seeing anybody right now. So it's like, you've been flirting with us all night long. And then when we finally come over to you, ask you all on a date, you tell us that you're already seeing somebody you're yeah. not interested. Uh, I was, so, was going to joke, uh, Texas,
1: Texas and Oklahoma are across the room, and they're like, no. Stop talking. To
2: exactly. And so, you know, Texas and Oklahoma, <laughs> they they basically nixed that very, very quickly. And now that they're gone, uh, now that they're going to be going to the SEC, it takes a little bit of the sweetness away from it because it's like being invited to a party when a lot of the cool kids have already left. And then I think that they're going to do fine when it comes to football, obviously basketball. They were in the final four just this past season. I think that, uh, I think the sky's the limit, but it all starts with being in a bigger conference, having that bigger platform. Uh, One
1: last thing on this, you know, this is kind of crazy. They're all fired up. Houston Cougars program, along with Cincy and and central Florida. And uh, now just blanked on BYU. Um, To get into the Big 12, there's a lot of people who think that the Big 12 as it sits right now, minus Texas and Oklahoma, will never happen. That Kansas, and especially Oklahoma State, will get the hell out. So we still don't know what the Big 12 will look like when Houston is in it, because I think there's still going to be some schools exploring. Because the the new Big 12 will be a Power 5, but they're going to get probably 60% of the money. Hell, they might get like 30% of the money that the SEC gets from TV.
2: And that was actually just where I was about to go next, because... I've always been told that UT and Oklahoma run the Big 12. Okay, well, UT and Oklahoma are gone now. And I've always been told that UT and Oklahoma are what makes the Big 12 a Power 5 and automatic conference. Well, UT and Oklahoma have flown the coop. So now – you have to wonder, I don't think the NCAA is going to just take the Power Five, uh, that that label away from the Big 12. I mean, that'd be really, really rude if they did that. But it does make you wonder exactly how much luster does it have? Is TCU going to stay? Is Oklahoma State going to stay? Texas Tech. Is, uh, exactly. Texas Tech. Baylor, are they going to stay? And even then, like I said, you love those schools. Baylor, great school. One day at national championship in basketball, TCU had been smacking Texas for years in the Big 12 when it came to football. You see, Oklahoma State always is up there. They always play Oklahoma tough. They usually beat UT, uh, th- things like that. So when you look at it, I think the Big 12 still has a lot of good schools. But when it comes to the Blue Bloods, when it comes to that name recognition of OU, UT, you know, that's a completely different tax bracket. It's just far as the longevity, the name, the luster to the name of the university, things like that. So I do wonder exactly what's going to happen to the Big 12, because if I'm TCU, I've been working so hard to get to the Big 12 of, for so many years. They were not Conference USA, the same, college, the same uh, conference I was in back in college. And so it took them so long to get to the Big 12. You got the Baylors, the Oklahoma States, the Texas Techs of the world. You wonder... Do they now feel okay? Well, I mean, I don't want to be at this party anymore. All the cool kids have already left, so you know what? Let me go ahead and you know uh, hit up the Pac-12, you know, with that "You Up" text message or "Hey Big Head" or you know something <laughs> like that. Like you up. So it, it, it still remains to be seen exactly what's going to happen, but I definitely do think you're going to see some more shuffling of the deck actually uh, coming aboard in the next couple years. Great convo as always. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Stanford. All right, appreciate you. Be good, Steve. There he is, Stanford Rout, our
1: Raiders insider on the defensive side of the ball. His spot today is brought to you by our friends, at the Westgate Resort Casino. The Superbook, buzzing again this weekend for Football Central. The theater will be open for viewing. The sports book will be open for viewing. you got the 4K video walls in both locations. Get there early, open the mobile betting app, and we start at 8 a.m. right here on ESPN Las Vegas. It'll be myself and Adam Candy with the Sunday Football Preview Show. So join us for week three in the NFL at the Westgate at the Superbook.
0: Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co.
3: What has Jaleel Bellensley proven to you to see his role increased as the season's moved on? Well, he's
1: doing what he's supposed to do. He practices better. uh, He's more engaged. He's more focused on what he's supposed to do. And he's having more positive performance on the field, which is what any player is supposed to do. I think that did any of you play sports? I mean... The coach is supposed to play the best players, right? And then it's up to the players to do what they're supposed to do so they get to play because they become one of the best players. So that's what he's doing now. But I don't know, maybe if you didn't play,
0: maybe that's not something that you quite get. The 4 o'clock football frenzy is presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600.
1: College Football Week 4 is here. Here, Nick Saban on the way back with a uh, local reporter. Uh, weird on a couple fronts. First of all, I'll say this. On this show, I was complimenting Saban for actually maturing and acting like an adult and dealing with the media <laughs> recently. Like I think he's grown up uh, while uh, Bill Belichick is still as immature as he's ever been because Aaron Andrews is talking about the pressure of interviewing Belichick. But Sabin still has his moments. The bizarro thing about that question was, It was a G-damn softball to talk about the player working his way into more playing time. I don't even get why he was annoyed. Adam?
4: I don't either.
1: I just think think some coaches, you catch them on, you know, they got out of the the freaking wrong side of the bed that morning. It's like, dude, I just need some quotes. I'm doing a feature on this guy getting playing time. What has he done to impress you?
4: I don't know what you're talking about with coaches kind of getting on the wrong side of bed. I. I will say, do you want to sign an apology form for saying Nick Saban had matured?
1: No, because he still has his blips. I mean, I think he's gotten much better at the in game stuff, and uh, and I think he's lightened up after games. Uh, But yeah, I just, I don't know. Who knows, man? You know, and the thing is, he might have something with the reporter that he was annoyed with. There might have been a question earlier that annoyed him. I mean, it's just. But Steve, he's not. I mean, actually, I would have loved for someone to stand up and go, you know what, Nick? It's like work. You earn more time and better jobs, so we've all done this, coach. It's wait, real life. But wait. no one will do that because it's Nick Saban. Or just uh, stand up and go, what is your problem? I'm trying to pump the kid. Why are you snapping on me?
4: Yeah, I've played sports before, Nick. Do you want to go play one-on-one right now? Oh, that,
1: that That's the other <laughs> thing I thought of. I'm like, I, I'm not going to sit there and challenge the 70-year-old Nick Saban to I a, will. a feat of strength. It's not you know freaking uh, you know Seinfeld here. <laughs>
3: But well you it's know it's
1: so weird, Willie isn't it?
3: He's not an idiot, Steve. yeah uh, I'm not an idiot
1: <laughs> uh, the cardinal sin on Cofield and Company Ari doesn't have the bite ready when it was should have been used and then he has to be set up for it what so sad right Adam business a new business, uh, a new business. <laughs> Adam it's the great. former Mr. X would have stricken down both sides of that whole i
4: thing. I have like I am even more convinced after today than ever. That Gruden listens to the show and he Stop. doesn't like me because of what's on the show. Because how many times have I talked about him not with, you know, not liking analytics, not paying attention to him, right. and all the other things? Right. So today I asked him like how confident he is with Drake and Barber and how they played last week and you know, going forward without Jacobs, how it'd be. And his response was, you can't base a running back's performance just on the data. And I'm like, well, why is it always science and data with me? Like I know, like, yes, that is who I am, but that's not who I am to him. He clearly listens.
0: The oh, I, worst.
1: I think. <laughs> I think he only listens, or they only listen to Raider Nation Radio 920. So that's what I hear.
4: The rest of the organization, no, goes. no, Cofield and Company.
1: I think there wasn't there a case. Was it last year? Or the year? Well, I guess. I guess it would have been last year, since that's the first year of the stadium. Where I, early in the year, didn't they? Uh, as they were getting ready for the game, didn't they have the show like pumped up in the press box? I was like, this isn't good.
4: Yeah, that was terrifying. Now, that, now
1: they're really following you. Now they're really tracking what you are
4: saying. Yeah, that was that was definitely terrifying. I, I there is sometimes I just feel like there is no, there is no way he doesn't like me just on the question I ask good questions in the press conference. He clearly doesn't like me because of our show.
1: I mean, you are you are annoying. I, I mean, I, I, actually, you are right. The show—if he listens to the show or they listen to the show—that would it would back up that premise. All right, the line on this game as I am here in Fresno getting ready for UNLV in Fresno, seven o'clock with uh, 6.30 Learfield pregame. Willie, it's actually gone down to 30 yeah. uh, from a high of 32. Adam Candy yesterday said, hey, he's going to play it. Uh, we saw a longtime gambler uh, and, you know, one of our buddies, Ted Savransky, was saying, hey, I'm going to play it. What do you
3: think? Well, I think the Fresno State's probably going to pull away. I th- I'm wondering if the sharp play, though, might be Fresno State in the first half. Um you know, just so it's 19 and a half, and um, you, you somewhat lose some value just because of the fact that it's not actually half of 30. But yeah. are they going to come come out smoking against this team? And I also have to wonder if the total is of value. Now, the first half total is 32 and a half, also higher than, um, you know, where, where if you were to double it uh, – where it's sitting at 59, I do think the game's going to go over the total. I think Fresno State's going to put it on them. They're going to do their share. It's a matter of what UNLV can get done. But if Brumfield plays, you, you have to think that the offense is going to play with a little bit more confidence. And, you know, it didn't do it didn't do much, didn't show much against Iowa State, understandably, um, you know, with Friel and, and Martel, But they, UNLV put together a – somewhat of a competitive half against Eastern Washington, challenging them in the second, and then challenge ASU in the first half. So if Brumfield can do something productive to somewhat keep UNLV close, I think that, you know, I, I don't know if it's going to cover the 30, and I, you know, it's just, it's, it's one of those numbers where I think Fresno State's going to sort of control that pace, and it'll, it'll, it'll be lingering, and if you're if you're going to lose that if you're going to lose that game at the books, it's going to be because of a of a late backdoor cover. UNLV is going to score late because Fresno State should control the tempo. They should control the pace of this game. And they should realistically win this game by at least
4: five touchdowns. UNOV scores enough to cover. They stay in it.
0: Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600.
1: We had a 2-0 oh year last year. It's not where you line up. It's where you wind up, you know? we got a long way to go. We still have 15 games. Somebody told me we're playing 17 regular season games. And we're about to play 18 or 19 next year. Who knows? But um,
0: not to be uh, sarcastic, but we want to win this game this week and try to stay in the hunt. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio.
1: I like John Gruden when he's sarcastic. Clearly, a question there from Adam Hill. No reason to be sarcastic unless Adam Hill, who's in studio, is asking you. It's Cofield out here at uh, Bulldog Stadium, Fresno, taking on uh, your Rebels. I almost said running Rebels. Your Rebels, Willie Ramirez, is alongside. Let's get in-depth a little more on the Fresno side and on this big uh, Mountain West tilt uh, for the Rebels opening up the conference season. Cam Morrell played football at Fresno State, played in the NFL. He's a silent reporter on radio, and he gives Cofield and company a couple minutes. How you doing? What's up fellas? Hey, what's the uh, stadium atmosphere going to be like here on a Friday night, you know, going up against uh, some high school football? I will say there's I think there's like a taco truck throwdown and there's music outside right now, so the environment, <laughs> I want I want to leave right now and go get some
5: tacos. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a good move for sure. It's hard to beat taco truck tacos in Fresno. I think they're, I think they're hoping that they're going to get, you know, 30,000 fans in the seats tonight. I'm not sure if that's going to happen, just you know, for all the things you mentioned, high school football is big. Obviously, a lot of people can't attend because of that. But, you know, I did a really good job of selling single-game tickets this week. I think they are over 11,000 just in that alone. So I, I expect it to be a good atmosphere. I mean, everybody's excited after that performance at the Rose Bowl last Saturday. So uh, there, there's a buzz around. I think it's going to be a pretty good environment tonight.
3: So, Cam, I know for a fact that Steve did not intend for it to sound like this when he just threw it to you when he said, uh, you know, what's the atmosphere going to be like going up against high school? And then he cut to the question, but it almost kind of sounded like what the Fresno State Bulldogs, the nationally ranked Fresno State Bulldogs, going up against UNLV. And I'm sure he wasn't saying like a high school team, but – Let's be real, UNLV has not been playing up to the standards that it would like. It's it's struggled. It's lost to an FCS team. Um, Arizona State put together a second half to run away from it, and last week was somewhat obliterated by Iowa State, and I'm not sure necessarily if we're impressed by Iowa State or it was just that Iowa State got the best of UNLV. How does Fresno State... Avoid a letdown after such a big win, an emotional win in the Rose Bowl in Pasadena against the Bruins, who, you know, started the season off the way that they did and now sort of come and let their guard down against a team that's really
5: hungry. Yeah, I mean, this is, this happened in 2017, right? Fresno State, Jeff Tedford's first year goes down to San Diego, who at the time were the back to back defending Mount West champions, really beat. San Diego State down, beat them 20-3, to just a completely physically dominating performance, come back, and UNLV catches them 24-17, um, maybe 27-17, I go a 10-point win. But play, they ex- UNLV executed at a much higher level than Fresno State did that night. And, you know, I don't care what your record says, I think Iowa State's a really good football team. I watched that tape, they're physical, they fly around, I mean, they're all over the place. Eastern Washington catches teams all the time. I mean they are one of the best FCS schools out there and Arizona State is they're gonna compete really well in the Pac twelve. So they've played three really good football teams and sometimes it's tough to, you know, there was no fans in the stadium last year. It's tough to really know what you are as a football program under Marcus Arroyo, what your identity is, what you can really hang your hat on. You have personnel kinda, you know, switching in and out of the game, your quarterback situation is what it is, so those State, they really have to, you know, there's been so much good press around this team. This team. Jay J.K. is getting national love. This team's ranked for the first time since 2018. It's really easy to feel really, really good about yourself and look at this you know, team on tape and say, let's just show up and win this game, right? We're the better team. I've seen it happen happened four years ago in this stadium, the exact same situation. Uh, so really, this is... You know, Caleb DeBoer, I think, did a really good job of getting that message across the guys this year. This happened to us in 2001. We're riding high, rankings in the country. Boy, he comes in here, 3-3 three football team, they're able to knock us off. So that was the message this week. We can't show up and beat people, right? You can't just walk into the stadium and be better. and People are going to lay down because you're ranked. You have to continue to do the exact <laughs> same things you've done to get yourself to this point. Continue what you know, Fresno State is trying to be, and that is they have a really special
4: season in 2021. So you know, we're talking about Fresno State and then the what they've been able to do so far, and you know, potentially looking ahead against UNLV. But how good is Fresno really? Like we've seen them play well, but is is this a team that is as good as they've looked, or is this just been a nice start?
5: You know, after the Oregon game, I thought maybe Oregon is just not that good. You know, maybe. <laughs> Maybe they're overhyped. Maybe they don't really have the guys. You know, skill-wise on defense, I think they're very average. Their front sevens on both sides of the ball are really physical. Uh, they play good football. And then Fresno State beats Cal Poly. And then they beat what I think is a good UCLA team. I don't know if they're a 13th ranked in the country team, but they have athletes. They're, they're big and physical. That was a really physical football game. I think this Fresno State team is better than the team that they had in 2018. I think they have more closeness offensively. I think they have a lot more athleticism on both the offensive and defensive front. I think uh, defensively, they're very sound. They might not have as much physicality in the, you know, the back seven with Jeffrey Allison and Mike Bell in that 2018 game, Juju Hughes with the Los Angeles Rams. I think what they, what they can do to you offensively with Ronnie Rivers and Cropper and Josh Kelly and Carrick Weeksball and Jay Caner pulling the trigger and then, the athleticism that they have on both fronts. I think this team better than 2018. I think they're going to, you know, compete for a Mountain West championship. I think they're probably the best team in the West division right now with San Diego state. That's going to be a great football game, but I think they're legit. I think they are legitimately, you know, a top 20 top 15 football program right now. I really, from what I've seen on film, that's, that's where I think they are.
3: Well, Gabby, you, you talk about them challenging in the Mountain West. Uh, we have a professional quarterback out here, Derek Carr, who says Fresno State's the best football team in California. Um, you definitely have a very talented quarterback in Jack Jake Hayner, who says he's going to let the numbers speak for themselves in pushing his national profile. What can you tell us about Jake?
5: Yeah, he's a he's a baller. He's a gamer. You know, I think he really loves the spotlight. And I said it after watching him this past spring. You know, it's really it was tough to judge him. The job this entire program that. after that COVID season last year. Um, after I saw him come this spring, I thought he's the best thrower of the football that I've seen at Fresno State. That includes my teammate David Carr. That includes the starting quarterback in Las Vegas right now, Derek Carr. As a college quarterback, Jake Caner can make throws that Dave and Derek could not make when they were here. He processes information really, really quickly get the ball out very quickly, can make every throw. He's accurate at any place on the football field. I mean, I think he's an exceptional quarterback. He only If he was 6'4", 225 pounds, you're, I think you're talking about a top five pick in the NFL draft, but he's not. He's 6'1", and he's 190 pounds, and, you know, you saw, you watched the end of that UCLA game, he was getting beat up. He was taking big shots, and, you know, the, the biggest question mark for him is, and he. Withstand a 12 or 13 or 14 game schedule and stay healthy. He hasn't done it as a college quarterback, so that's you know that's a big question mark. But from a talent, from a processing, from a a mentality standpoint, he is you know as good as I've ever seen play that position here at Fresno State.
4: It's the voice of Cam Worrell, former Fresno State player and former NFL player. You can hear him on the Fresno broadcast. Uh, If you played with David Carr. Any chance you can get me unblocked on Twitter?
5: <laughs> 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 Sorry, man. I don't... You, I guess if you come day Davey, he likes to get aggressive with the block. I think Derek does, too. I don't really understand it. I think Twitter's fun. I think people have fun. If you're really egregious and you're just being disrespectful just to be disrespectful, I understand people blocking people, but... If you're just critical of somebody, come on, man! You gotta have thicker skin than that. But no, I'm sorry, I can't. I can't pull the trigger. I can't help you out on that one. Well, they, they they make those decisions behind the
3: scenes. Well, Cam, if you, and, and on top of that, if you're if if you're a former teammate of David Carr, I would have to assume that you are a former teammate of uh, a local hero here, two-time state champ and one-time state champ as a coach, Vernon Fox.
5: Oh yeah, and yeah, so Vernon, I mean, Vernon, Vernon is my guy. Yeah, Vernon
3: does never fails to send in group text messages when UNLV loses, and to me when the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys lose. Going back that far, I mean, and as 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 much as Fresno State's program has surged, and as much as UNLV's football program has declined, is it still that? Does it still hold that mystique in the in like as in the Big Two football and basketball that it's UNLV, and you sort of want to put it on them, no matter how bad. The team is, is there still that mystique of when it's UNLV, it's sort of like like I said, like if it's the Cowboys or one of those teams you really want to beat? Is you is it still like that?
5: Yeah, I mean, you know, th- there are still so many Fresno State fans who I mean, I remember going to sell arena and watching Fresno State alma mater Jerry Tarkanian coach the runner rebels and coach them to the national championship coach. So, has always been, for as long as I can remember, a big rivalry. And whether it's football or basketball or baseball, yes, yeah, people in Fresno want to beat UNLV. They want to really beat UNLV when they're better, and they want to try to knock them off when UNLV is better. That that has existed my entire time here. I mean, I can remember as a kid going and watching Larry Johnson and Stacey Ogden and Greg Anthony, and I was such a huge fan of, of TARC. That That rivalry has not subsided at all. There's still a lot of uh, vengeance. San Jose State, same thing. It's, they date so far back. There's still a lot of people in Fresno who really circle this game and, and want to come out and watch the Fresno State victory.
1: Cam, that was awesome, man. We appreciate it. We'll see you out here at the game, okay?
5: Yes, sir. There appreciate you guys.
1: There is the former Dolphin and Bear and uh, Fresno State dude, Cam Worrell joining Cofield and company. You know, it's so funny, uh, You know, we mentioned UNLV, especially to people, you know, guys of that generation. It was just last week I talked to the sideline dude from Iowa State, Ryan Harklaw, and I started mentioning UNLV, and he's like, oh, yeah, I was a gigantic fan. He grew up in Iowa. He's like, I was a gigantic fan of of UNLV and, like, had the jackets and the sweatshirts. I'm like, my God, the impact of this team across the country, you know, late 80s, early 90s.
3: What's crazy, when I moved back to Las Vegas, because I had left for a few years and I was in Minnesota, and... um. The kid I went to high school with, you know, reconnected a couple of years later, and um, he was telling me how he was a big running Rebel fan, and he was naming players like beyond the, you know, the the um, the Mark Wades and the the um, Freddie Banks, and I think he I think at the time he's like, yeah, Jarvis Bass Knight was his favorite player, but just and that was the '86 '87 Final Four team that lost to Indiana in the Final Four, and then of course, you know and as he emerged, but uh, I'll never forget that, that just, you know, in, in in the sticks in Minnesota, the suburbs outside of Minneapolis and Minnetonka, and uh, this this kid Dave, he had said, oh, yeah, i become a Running Rebel fan, <laughs> and that was with that team.
1: That's awesome. Uh, don't forget this weekend, Sunday, uh, we'll be at the Westgate in the morning, and then we've got the afternoon after-game party after the Raiders and Dolphins right across the street from Allegiant Stadium. We'll be at Crazy Horse 3, drink specials, food specials, the uh, – Dozens and dozens, if not hundreds, of women at Crazy Horse 3 partying. Great place to park. It's really the closest location you're going to get to Allegiant Stadium. We'll be there from 4 to 7 with the post-game party. I'll be on the scene, so come out and enjoy, hopefully, the victory by the Raiders over the Dolphins at Crazy Horse 3.
0: Stick around. Cofield & Company returns in minutes. In the Finley Toyota studio, it's Cofield and Company's eye on sports gambling. I'm
2: going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. All
1: right, let's get some leans and likes on the NFL here inside of three minutes. Adam Hill, Willie. Cofield out here in Fresno getting ready for the UNLV game. It goes down at 7 o'clock right here on ESPN Las Vegas against the Bulldogs. Did you guys think my question to Cam Warrell was a little bit weird about the attendance on a Friday night because I had heard it the last time I was here in 2019 that high school football is so big that Fresno State doesn't really love to get Friday tilts even though they get the TV exposure because of the competition against the high school games. The crowds aren't as big as they should be. So I'm kind of curious tonight – I mean, you've got a top 25 team. They just pulled off a nice upset uh, against UCLA. They almost took out Oregon, so they're riding high right now. They've got potentially uh, a Heisman candidate if he can stay healthy. And Jake Hayner, I would expect a monster crowd tonight.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think there are parts of the – I think there will be too, especially when they're ranked. I think that supersedes some of the other stuff. But, you know, there are parts of the country where high school football is king, and, you know, that's one of them. It's very big there, so – um, I, I get it and I understand why they wouldn't want the games. It, it, it makes sense to not play many, but you also want your, you know, exposure for your program and that can happen on a primetime game. Uh, we'll see. I, I am interested to see what the crowd looks like tonight.
3: Yeah, I, uh, it was funny the way that you sort of intro that or, or through that question at him, Steve, cause you said, you said, Cam, you know, Fresno state, uh, the, the get your take on the attendance, um because of Fresno State going up against a high school, and then you switched directions real quick, and you stopped. So you didn't finish. So it it, it almost sounded like as if you were saying Fresno State football against a high school. Oh, okay. He (laughs) got it. Yeah, yeah. No, he (laughs) did. He did. I just, of course, had to. I get excited. (laughs) I had to make a little joke about that and say, well, they're not playing a high school team, but. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh,
1: One more thing. You were talking about the the spread of the game at 30 and what could happen in the game. Yeah. if Fresno got out to an early lead, there is no way if I'm Calen DeBoer and I've got a safe lead in the middle of the third quarter, I'm risking Jake Haner out there with an injured hip because I got to tell you as a defender, guess who I'm going? I mean, you already want to pin your ears back and get to Jake Haner. Now you've got a little extra motivation to get him out of the game. And that that may sound mean, but as a football player, sorry, bro. You know, we <laughs> saw you limping around and we know you got an injured hip, so let's go. Time to get physical
4: yeah and I think the the other part of this is oftentimes you you know you think of a sandwich game or a look ahead spot as only only you have a great team coming up right and in this case Fresno's coming off a great win and on the horizon is a the best trip of the year to Hawaii and so it is Ooh. kind of a weird spot for them uh, where you know they have a big travel week but obviously they get to go to Hawaii and enjoy themselves coming up in the next week and uh you know that could could mean a little bit of a look ahead spot for them.
1: All right, let me get your take on a couple of NFL games, and we'll hit a bunch more in the 5 o'clock hours. we got the big five on the way here in less than seven minutes. All right, Adam, your bill – well, not your bills anymore. Not your bills anymore. Um, do we all believe that the football team is a live dog? Uh, well, now the line is down to an even seven. It was seven and a half everywhere. It's seven and 20. So what do you think of the bills and football team?
4: It was nine, uh, which is where I bet it. Uh, I, I don't think I'm going to take seven, uh, but I do kind of lean toward the underdog here uh, – They've been able to move the ball very well with Taylor Heineke. Uh, pretty much every time he's been on the field, he's been able to move the ball. Uh, the one thing that concerns me is at some point you think the, the Bills offense is going to break out. And it sounds crazy for a team that won 35 nothing last week, but their offense was dreadful. Uh, they won that game with their defense. So I- I'm, I'm, you know, concerned going against it because you feel like it's, you know, a train that could get started at some point, uh, but we haven't seen it yet. And uh, until we do, uh, I'm pretty comfortable taking a little bit more than a touchdown here.
3: I like the football team in this spot. Now, If because that hook has been dropped and it's only costing you, you can you can probably find a spot that's only going to cost you an extra dime and you're going to lay the 120. It's not going to hurt to buy to, to add the half point back onto if you're going to take the plus seven. But for teaser players, it's got to be pretty enticing if you like six or six-and-a-half-point teasers to throw the football team on there because, as you said, Heideke can continue to move the offense and somewhat keep it relatively – keep them in, in striking distance to, to potentially – you know, um, in the make this a game in the fourth quarter, and you know it's 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 a defensive play away from possibly taking the lead at some point if they can stay within striking distance. I like the football team plus the points, and like I said, if it being a flat seven across the board, I wouldn't hesitate to add the half point.
4: Bills right now a top three defense, and I've only played Miami and Pittsburgh, but a top three defense in the league with some of the advanced metrics.
1: After the way the Saints look last week, I thought the Patriots, there was no shot this game was going to stay on Pats 3. And instead, it's gone the other way. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost 60% of the money in the tickets are on New England. And there's actually two and a halfs out there now with the Saints as a dog.
4: Yeah, I'm taking New England. I, I don't love it. <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to stand on the table and scream that it's a great play. But uh, I, I like this spot. You, you look at what New England did, obviously, last week. They dominated against... Uh, a a rookie quarterback who was overmatched uh, the previous week. You can say, well, they lost to Miami. Well, watch the games. They really didn't. They were running the clock down to kick the game-winning field goal or potentially go in the end zone, and they fumbled. Uh, that's a game they, you know, for all intents and purposes, won. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't freak out and say the Patriots are you know a mess or anything like that. They should be two and zero right now. Um, I feel like they're going to have a pretty good game plan for a New Orleans team that. Really doesn't have weapons. I mean, we saw them put up some good uh, offense in week one, but they don't have much going on uh, that Jameis Winston can work with outside of Kamara.
3: I like the Patriots as well. I don't. I, I think that the Saints, you know, it, it, they're still. I'm still up in the air with them off, off the first two weeks, but I'm not going to overreact too quick and say that you know they're they're in bounce back mode. And I think that you give um, Belichick a couple of weeks to sort of see what he has. And now this one's at home. Um, and I think that he's going to make the right adjustments. He's going to prepare well for this Saints team. Um, and there's always the question, there's been the question mark through training camp and, and through the first couple of weeks, what this team is going to do on offense with Mac Jones. But let's not forget where Belichick's specialty lies. So I think that he'll have this, he'll he'll be prepared for the Saints. And I I think the Patriots are the right side. I think it's an overreaction and a, um, I think you go against the public here and play the uh, the Patriots.
1: Five o'clock hours on the way. We're going to update on a weird situation in the NBA with Andrew Wiggins and a full preview of the Raiders Dolphins game this weekend.
0: Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota.